catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of daily fantasy sports and gambling. So you can stop Googling how to join a squid game to cover all those parlays you thought were such a sure thing. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. All right, good morning, everybody. Let's get right into it. We got NBA action today continuing, but we're going to talk about the Nets. We're going to get into this. Because I made fun of this for weeks. I told you guys for weeks that this Nets team, the valuation on the bets for them in these playoffs were ridiculous. I told you this. I've been I've been laughed at by multiple people saying, because I'm a Knicks fan, I'm hating on the Nets. I kept telling you that the Nets could very well lose this series. I did not think it would go this poorly, but I told you, they the Nets should not have been a favorite in this series, and everyone kept acting as though the Nets were almost a lock of winning this series against the Celtics. Oh, three. The Nets are oh, three versus the Celtics. After a no show by KD last night and Kyrie. KD and Kyrie. Both struggled to get anything going. The best player on the Nets last night was Bruce Brown. We're not even talking about the Ben Simmons fiasco. We're not even talking about that. We're just talking about the Nets last night in a must-win game had no answers for the Celtics pressing up on them, their physicality, their crying to the refs, Steve Nash is standing on the sidelines looking completely puzzled and not knowing what to do. Mike D'Antoni is coaching the team, basically trying to draw up plays, but like any Mike D'Antoni team, if you press up on them and you don't give them space, the offense shuts down. And that's the reason why you seen Steve Nash just standing there looking like an idiot, because there is no answer. They don't have an actual answer of clearing out space. This team is not designed to do much else. They were relying on Blake Griffin, like dusting off the the the, the street uh, the the sweatsuit he's been wearing for the past month and a half to just come off the bench and basically just chuck a couple of threes just to give him a spark, and still they couldn't get anything going with KD and Kyrie because the boss is just playing too physical and KD is not responding well to this. The length of the Celtics is bothering KD. He's not getting off, uh, getting off the dribble fast enough. And he's just selling for jump shots. He's not getting to the hole. Kyrie not attacking the basket. Uh, Marcus Smart been locking him down and put, uh, keeping him off uh, to the wing. And he's been an off Like they are not creating space for anyone. The only guy making any buckets is Bruce Brown because Bruce Brown's the only guy cutting to the basket. 
like this is not very hard to figure out the series but literally somebody on this team has to be willing to play even a modicum of defense because right now it is so easy for the Celtics to score the ball I keep watching these games the Celtics aren't even having scoring droughts because the Nets aren't even trying I'm sorry this is an effort and a strategy issue the strategy is that the the Nets are poorly equipped in terms of the coaching philosophy they have one philosophy of getting the ball up Try to get uh, uh try to work the clock and 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 get a uh, the first look that they get that looks good they're gonna let it rip. That's their offensive strategy. They're, they're not doing much else, but the Celtics aren't even giving them that. So they're having to work for it, and basically it's left them in a spot where they're just selling for jump shots if no one can do a back cut to the basket. And as I said, the only guy doing that is Bruce Brown. And and the sad thing is, is that literally. You, you might as well be playing Kessler Edwards or David Duke if Seth Curry isn't going to take uh, let it rip from beyond the arc because like they're I, I, again I I don't know what the point is of having Seth Curry around if he's not taking shots. I mean you, we're looking at the box score last night. Seth Curry is four for eight with ten points. Katie only had eleven shots. Kyrie Irving was six of seventeen. 0 for 7 from 3. Like, Kyrie is not a prolific three-point shooter. Why is Kyrie chucking? He He's not even putting in the work. And so, basically, the only guys doing work in the interior last night were Bruce Brown, as I said, cutting to the basket and trying to get the ball in inside uh, to Nicholas Claxton, who was basically doing putback duty and getting boards. They weren't even feeding him the rock. Like, Drummond has no purpose in this series at this point. Because Drummond played 16 of the quietest minutes you'll ever see. Like, he he had nothing. Like I said, Blake Griffin just came off the bench. They dusted him the cobwebs off of him. Played eight minutes, scored eight points. Because he, he was just chugging beyond the arc. Because some uh, they just let somebody stroke because Kyrie wasn't getting it done. Uh, and, you know, it's just like Patty Mills just chucking ch- Like... Literally, the Nets aren't playing Kessler Edwards. They aren't playing LaMarcus Aldridge. Like, somebody on this team has got to be able to, because the Celtics are just bullying the Nets around, and Bob Williams came back, had minimal impact. Al Horford is just uh, bodying up and dice. They're just clogging up the middle. No one's attacking the basket outside of when they can get some clear outs and then Brown uh, was cut to do that. That was literally the only offense the Nets actually had the highest scoring quarter they had was when they were down 15 points and they managed to like do that little BS run at the end to cut it to, it ended up being one Oh nine, one Oh three, but the Nets were down double digits for most of the fourth quarter. The highest scoring quarter the Nets had was 31 in the fourth quarter. They had 25 in the first, 25 in the second, 22 in the third. You know what the Celtics scored? 30, 23, 28, 28. It is, the Celtics are not having scoring droughts because the Nets aren't even bothering to play any defense. The Celtics could easily match the Nets' offensive output because literally the Nets have offered them nothing defensively. Nothing. Because the Celtics didn't even shoot the ball well from three-point range. 
The Celtics were 12 of 39. You know why the Celtics still scored 109 points? Because they're still able to grab 13 offensive boards. Like, like the Celtics aren't even a big team. They're just beating you to the ball. Like, this is, like I said, this is an effort issue. This is an effort issue. Like, the Celtics are getting second chance points. They're getting to the free throw line. And they're playing defense. This, like, I'm sorry, you're at home. There is no reason why you should be getting bodied on the boards by the road team. It, it cannot happen. And that's exactly what happened last night. I mean, they were getting they were getting Marcus Smart chucking threes. Like Marcus Smart was trying to keep the Celtics in the game. He was two of ten for three point range. But I mean, <laughs> I don't know what else you want me to say. Like this is like, where's your heart? <laughs> like it, it, it's pretty clear, it, it's 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 missing. <laughs> like the 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 Nets should not have lost that game last night. Like it's not even as though the Celtics played that well last night to steal a game on the road. This uh that's just did not bring it. They didn't have it. It's it's really that simple. And so in the other games, you had what I talked about. The Raptors pulling out a win with MB just being hurt. Uh you know, James Harden had, had some really really quiet points. Like Harden is not he's just not there. Like he, they, I mean, the box score will say he scored 22 points, but man, those were some hollow, hollow points. Like 5 of 17, he had to do it all from the free throw line. And a lot of those points came when they were down because, again, Philly was down double digits in the fourth quarter as well. And that's when Harden uh, was uh, putting up some uh, points. Close the game of the day. Uh, Jazz eke out a victory over the Mavs, 199. Luka came back. Was playing like a boss. I still don't think it was the right idea of bringing him back. I think the Jazz got away with a couple of calls where it was just very questionable, but they're the home team. But, you know, they at least showed some backbone unlike the Nets. You know, what else do you want me to say? Like, the Nets were so pathetic. I, 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 I couldn't believe. The Nets played that poorly. I couldn't believe they played that poorly. I, I honestly couldn't believe it. As much as I've seen uh, Katie and Kyrie flake in certain playoff series over the years, this was about the most pathetic I've seen them. Like, that was bad. It was bad. It's like the, the Celtics played well defensively, but it wasn't as though it, <laughs> it wasn't as though they were the Pistons. I mean, come on. They're playing physical, but they ain't that physical. They aren't the Knicks. Like, come on. Like, this, this is pathetic. And then in the nightcap, this was some of the dumbest basketball, I, I, you know, this Grizzlies-Timberwolves series. The, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, you shouldn't say anything at all, is the, how the saying goes. So I'll leave it at that. Like, this, the T-Wolves won, but, man, Carl Anthony Towns, had one of the dumbest games you could ever have, even though he scored 33 points with 14 boards. Like, I mean, Memphis should have been able to close out that game, even though they had no business winning that game. That That's how, like, off the wall this, uh, this entire game was. But, you know, everyone's talking. Last night, the Ben Simmons debacle. 
Ben Simmons on the, the bench. You know, I, I don't think there's anything other way of describing his outfit is he he looked like the Joker, like for, like the Joker from uh like the classic Joker look from this uh, uh the comic books, like just purple suit, just looking like he, all he's missing is cloud makeup. That is literally the only thing missing from Ben Simmons' getup last night. I listen, I told you guys the guy was a flake. You know, I've been doing the Ben Simmons watch. This entire time, making a joke out of it. But the Nets only have themselves to blame because they allowed Ben Simmons to dictate the terms of when and how he's going to play. The man has not even shown an inkling of desire of playing basketball this year. And you traded for him knowing you're on the hook for a $200 million contract. Like, where's the professionalism? There is nothing here. There is no leadership on this Nets team. And KD has shot himself in his foot, in his own foot with this legacy nonsense because he chose Kyrie to be his partner. He chose to bring in James Harden as a teammate. All for it to go to, uh, uh, go to, you know what? I told you this was going to implode. But man, the way this is imploded is so pathetic. I, I don't even know. What else is there to say? You know, it's like, it's not even worth doing the I told you so. It's just, it's just so sad and pathetic looking at him. It's just like, you know, it's just like kicking, kicking a dog, uh, kicking a man while he's down. Like he got punked and he got, he, he, he just, he just looks so, so foolish leaving the war. It, I mean, there's no if fans or butts are saying it like leaving the worst was one of the dumbest moves in NBA history. That's how this whole Nets debacle is going to play out in the history books at, at this stage of the game, because they're going to have to retool everything. The move from the warriors and the whole fallout of, you know, uh, being called, uh, being called, uh, uh, you know what by Draymond. Guess what? Like Draymond may have been right because, Everyone seems to walk all over KD. That's just the reality of the situation. Anywho, let's get into these games today uh, uh, with this exposition. Oh, actually, a quick note before I like talk about these NBA games. A lot of talk about uh, uh, the Yankees game yesterday with the, uh, the Indians and the fans and the bleachers. I'm going to just say this. I'm not going to condone violence uh, with fans and people throwing stuff because it's stupid. But it's been very tame overall by Yankees fans compared to when I grew up in the 80s and 90s of how the bleachers used to operate. It's been pretty PC. So for Miles Straw, whom most people won't wouldn't even be able to identify out of a, a photo lineup of if you lined up 20 Major League Baseball players, no one's going to figure out who the hell Miles Straw is. For Miles Straw to be jawing off at uh, Yankees fans, you got to know your place. You are not going to be a, like, you're not going to get away with that. Like, I'm not condoning it. I'm just telling you, you have to have thicker skin because he's lucky that they didn't start throwing actual, more dangerous objects at him because that's how it would have been done in the older days. And yes, the police need to be called the, the uh, 
called into that section of the stadium, this, that, and the other. Yes, all that is true. But that entire situation, you have to be more cognizant of where you are and stadiums you're playing in. Yes, it is not a nice, warm, and friendly place. That's the way it used to be. It's been way more PC uh, these days. Doesn't mean that you won't uh, at certain times get uh, some of those older reactions. So, as I said, it's I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying you got to be more mindful of your surroundings because not like there were a couple of little stadiums that you should not be John with fans in the bleachers. It's just a recipe for disaster. He's fortunate that it didn't escalate worse. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, getting into the NBA action today. Uh, first up, we got the Bucks uh, still in Chicago uh, playing the Bulls. Uh, Bucks looking to go up 3-1. Listen, I don't like this Bulls team in this matchup, even without Middleton. Yes, the Bulls got their win in game two. They got pounded by, like, I think it was 30 or more. Uh, yeah, last game, I think it's going to be more of the same today. I, I think the Bucks uh, roll pretty easily here. The only question is, you know, from a DFS standpoint, you know, Giannis is so expensive along with Jokic that you need Giannis to, like, put up close to, like, some combination of, I I even say, like, you probably need Giannis to get you 40 and 15 to win a GPP because Giannis is so expensive, and it's the same argument I'm going to have with Jokic. They are so expensive. They have to score so many points and have so many rebounds and assists to make it worthwhile at their price tags that I don't think you can win with either one of them. Like, can you cash? Yes. I definitely think you can you can cash with them. I'm just not sure you can win a tournament and a large field tournament with them uh, on your uh, roster just because of the amount of guys you need to have. Like random role players go off. You need to have someone like uh, you know, like uh, I, I would even say like uh. Uh, a Bones Highland in uh, the uh, the second game. Uh, so, like, Bones Highland on the Nuggets. Like, you need, like, some random player to go off uh, that is, like, a bench player, like Compazzo on the uh, Nuggets. Like, it, it's, it's really necessary where you have, like, a scrub player having a monster game. So, even, like, a, like a, either Connaughton or Grayson out, like, one of those guys has got to put up 20 points if you're going to play Jokic or Giannis and and be in the running uh, with a large field GPP. Just because their salaries are so expensive, it makes it harder to fit them in uh, and have a bounce enough roster. So, like, you you need guys to score. The problem is the pricing on this slate, I just... I don't like the val- I don't see a ton of value in these games and the bench guys that have been performing are less less likely to see the floor as we get later into the series. I don't I don't think it's necessarily uh 
a great slate to be forcing in Giannis or Jokic, but we'll see. We'll see. But uh, I think this is a clear uh, win for the Bucks. Uh, you know, they're they're favored uh, by I think it was eight and a half I saw on the line. Um, but I mean, I just don't necessarily see. I don't see this game being close. Uh, I, you know, it's not a great matchup. The Mar- as I said, Demar Derozan got it. Like he got his win. It's just like this is not the series I'm really uh, looking for in terms of uh, much going on. I, I think you 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 pretty much got the best out of the Bulls, uh, and you just gotta go from there. I I don't see. I just don't see. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, the line for the Bucks is a uh, Bucks by a five and a half. I think the Bucks are likely winning by double digits. I, it's it's just more more of the same, in my opinion. Even without Middleton, I just think that the Bucks defensively slow down the Bulls. The Bulls won't be able to score. Giannis will do his thing. He'll he'll get some Euro step baskets. He'll he'll hit a couple of jump shots. He'll go to the line because they're gonna foul him as he keeps driving on them. And you know. It, it it just is what it is. I I just don't I don't see where the Bulls keep this one close long term. So I I think this ends up going. Uh, the series ends up wrapping up in five just because the Bulls got a game early. But I I think this one's pretty clear cut. The second game you got the Warriors up three zero on the, the Nuggets. The Nuggets trying to avoid getting swept. <sighs> Realistically, I think Jokic should be playing all 48 minutes. I think this game's on national TV. It's on ABC. They're going to milk every single timeout on Sunday afternoon to maximize that TV audience and the ad dollars. There is no reason, in my opinion, why Nikola Jokic can't play every single minute of the game. I'm just going to say that. He is their best player. He is their only shot at winning. They don't have Jamal Murray, even though they cleared him to play. It looks like Murray, whatever Clay Thompson told him about not coming back and risking his health, it is spooked Murray. He is just sitting on the bench. Michael Porter Jr. for the back issue, whatever is going on, he's not playing. They they have not nearly enough depth to stay close with the Warriors, and it just looks even worse as the series goes along. Because Jokic is not getting any secondary scoring. And so every time he comes off the court, the Warriors make a run. So no matter how hard he may pound them and get up, they're going to blow that lead. Jokic has to ride out this entire game. I think if Jokic plays less than 44 minutes, it's an automatic loss for the, uh, the Nuggets, barring like an implosion by the Warriors. Jokic has to play 45 minutes and over. Like It's a 48-minute game. At most, three minutes of rest, if you if you absolutely need. But I think there's enough TV timeouts that you should be able to let him get a breather and just let him keep playing. As the as much as he's a big guy, he's just gonna have to suck it up because he has no help. He's got no help in this series. So you know, and not for nothing, you know, you you can't win MVP and get swept. It's like. I will defend Jokic because uh, I know how bad his team is. But at the same time, 
You have to, as a star player, demand for pride and tell your coach, coach, I'm staying in this game. You're not taking me out. Because there are enough TV timeouts that you can manage the conditioning, in my opinion. That that's just the way it is. So the Warriors are still favored. Slight favor. Uh it's like a one and a half um from what I had seen, but <coughs> excuse me. The issue is that I don't see how the Nuggets win this game unless Jokic just play the entire game. Because they just give up way too much on the back end when he's sitting. And I feel as though every time he sits, they lose all their momentum. It takes them a while to get back going again. And the Warriors are just going to keep chucking and get themselves in the game. Unless the Warriors are down 25, Jokic should not see the bench at all. You have to be up 25 and and it would just be the end of the half. Just to, uh, get them out of the way. Because I'm telling you, if they are, if the Warriors are with it, like, if they're up, worst case scenario, or if they're, like, within eight points coming into the fourth quarter, the Nuggets are going to lose. They're going to lose. Because I look at this as the Warriors' conditioning is going to wear Jokic down, but Jokic can salt away a lead with those TV timeouts if they are far enough ahead in the fourth quarter where it's double digits. The worst thing you can do is just take him out completely because even a tired Jokic, is so much far and away better than any other option the Nuggets have. It's not even close. It's not even close. It's the reason why he's the MVP, because of how bad that team is when he's not on the floor. So with that being said, what do I look at it from DFS purposes? It is Jokic and nobody else. I don't want, I have no interest in the Warriors outside of maybe Draymond. And it's only because Draymond can get the points and the rebounds and assists and kick it and swing it around uh, to the shooters that he doesn't need to score a bunch of points to be fantasy relevant. And if there's a, a bunch of missed shots and Draymond gets boards, yeah, he can definitely crush uh, his salary uh, point for dollar wise. But it's everyone else who is so scoring dependent that it's just not even worth it. So to me, I'm just fading the Warriors. I'm fading everyone outside of Jokic on the the Nuggets. And we call it a day. Like, to me, there is no point in trying to play this game. I would much rather focus on the nightcap if I didn't play uh, much from uh, the first game. So speaking of which, nightcap. The biggest piece of news, we're waiting to hear on Kyle Lowry. It looks like Lowry's not going to play. What's that mean? People are going to play Gabe Vincent because he's the backup. People will talk up Victor Oladipo. Guess what? Victor Oladipo likely won't play because I'm still hearing the rumor mill of Oladipo pissing off Jimmy Butler and Jimmy Butler basically telling Spolstra and winning that argument that Oladipo's going to sit on the bench, which was part of the outburst that ended up happening uh, a couple of weeks back uh, between Spolstra and uh, uh, Jimmy Butler, amongst other things, but part of it was the Oladipo situation. So, you know, I look at it as it's even more usage for Jimmy Butler if Kyle Lowry sits, and it's a huge boost to Ky- uh, Tyler Hero because they'll have uh, Tyler Hero take some time on the point. I don't think it'll fall solely on Gabe Vincent 
and I don't think Oladipo's going to play, so I'll let people go into that uh, uh, trap play if Lowry gets announced as, uh, as being out. We won't get that news until about half hour before tip-off, so you got a good uh, eight hours. Uh, so you're going to have to wait until like 6, 6.30 to even get news of what what's going to happen with Kyle Lowry. So the, the, the early games are going to be over. So part of what I'm saying is it makes sense just to fade everything and just wait on the news and make your adjustments accordingly. Now, if Lowry plays, yeah, it sucks. But guess what? Sometimes like you got to take some risks in terms of how you're going to uh, uh, plan out your strategy. So in my opinion, it makes it worthwhile to have a game plan, couple of lineups where you play only the late slate, couple of lineups where maybe you play one or two pieces from uh, the Bucks uh, bulls game and not much else until you get to the late swap. I just don't advise playing the Warriors and, and Nuggets game just because as good as Jokic is, you know, he's going to have to score even more than Giannis uh, to make that value work if you're going to try to take down a tournament. Like, that's what makes it hard. Uh, you know, I get it for cash games, but for a tournament perspective, I just, I can't get behind it. I, I really can't, even though I expect Jokic to put up good numbers and excellent numbers. He's probably going to need to score somewhere between 40 and 50 points and get 15 boards to pay off that price tag as an exceptional value. He can get good value. I just think it's hard to get exceptional value out of, out of uh, his uh, pricing. So to me, I would focus on this Miami Hawks game. I think the Heat probably would, but if Atlanta keeps it close and you get another game out of Bogdanovich or maybe you get Blonde Wright or Kevin Herter. I think uh, stacking up that game, play playing some Heat players with uh, Butler and Hero is the way to go. I still say you fade Trey Young. Maybe he'll have a pop-off game in the series, but I think I'll consistently make way more money by fading Trey Young because the general public will still keep playing Trey Young regardless, and you get different that way, even though Atlanta puts up points, it probably won't be tied to Trey. And that's the way I think uh, you, you need to look at it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Heat win. I think it's still a close game, but I think the Heat pull it out. But because it's a close game, I, I like that game the most. Like, the the Heat are one-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, I think you take that. I, I think because in certain spots, I've seen two-and-a-half. So depending on where you are, uh, I've seen I've seen it for uh, one and a half a couple of places. So you're gonna have to shop around for it, but uh, it's doable. It's definitely doable in my opinion. And then the nightcap, the Suns looking to go up three one on the Pelicans. Still no Devin Booker, but Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. I told you about Ayton trying to get that money. This series is lined up for Aiton to keep smashing this Pelicans team. Uh, uh, Jonas Valachunas cannot keep up uh, speed-wise with Aiton, and he picks up fouls. Yes, could Joe Val do the same to Aiton? It's possible, but so far the Pelicans have not been able to feature Joe Val in the post. I I don't know. I, I don't see it happening. I think Phoenix comes right back in. Does does their damage against the Pelicans? 
put uh, put up a good uh, chunk of points. But in terms of like their usage, they're just going to be efficient. So to me, I look at it as the bulk of the touches are still going to go to Paul and Aiton. I would concentrate my efforts on them, play it with that Miami Atlanta game, and then you have your roster build. And you go from there. But I, my favorite plays are Aiton and Paul on the entire slate. You've got uh, Phoenix as a two-point favorite. Uh, over-unders 215. You know, <sighs> you got two late games with high over-under t- totals. Uh, like, what do you want me to say? I, I just think that's the way you should be building out your lineups. Uh, I don't see either one of these uh, early games coming close to the scores of the late slate. M- maybe maybe the Warrior- Warriors and Nuggets game uh, gets up there. M- maybe it does get up there. But I like the chances more of, uh, I like the, ch- I just like the chances of, uh, uh, the late games outscoring uh, the two early games. Uh, call me crazy, but I, I, that's the way I look at it. Uh, so yeah, I think the Suds take it again. I think you can get another big game out of Aiton and Paul and we go from there. But you know, uh, I, I think this is a pretty clear-cut slate. It just depends on how the late slate breaks out stats-wise, but I would be looking at uh, the likes of Jimmy Butler, uh, Tyler Hero, again, some P.J. Tucker. You get uh, Maybe maybe you get a, a, a nice shooting performance out of a Max Stress or Duncan Robinson. Uh, on the Atlanta side, you're looking at Bog, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. And John Collins, hopefully he actually shows up this game. Didn't show up last game, but, you know, he, he, he's he got to show up at some point. Uh, and then you got uh, yeah, some role players, but I think the Heat are content with forcing the Hawks to have someone not named Trey Young beat them. So as far as I'm concerned, this one's pretty straightforward. You're loading up on the Heat and the Hawks' uh, role players. Uh, make your decision if you want to play Jimmy Butler or not. I w- am with Tyler here. Right? There's a way to make that lineup work. I'm not going to tell you how, but there's a way of making it work with Hero and Jimmy Butler and then play Aiton and Paul together. There's a way to make it work. So that's all I got, folks. Good luck today. We're going to do some NFL draft uh, breakdowns uh, very soon. Uh, I've already been recording those, so... Uh, More to come ahead of uh, the draft next week. But uh, until next time, good luck and have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets. 